I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. As always, I am your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Cavanaugh. And after a surprisingly excited game of Thursday night football, we are ready to roll into another weekend of glorious football action. So much is happening in the football world right now, and in order to cover all of it, I need some help. So joining me, as always, you can find him everywhere on social media. It's at that FF nerd. It's Jason Draven. Hey man, I'm definitely glad to be here, and I I was pleasantly surprised by the game last night. It was going expected the first half, but the second half really just blew me away. So really excited to get into this week and see what the matchups are. So pretty excited. It was just fun. But anyway, some once again, Jason is here to drop some start, sit, knowledge, chime in with some hilariously wrong takes. But before we get into any of that, it is time to talk about that surprisingly entertaining game. The Broncos beat the Jets 37-28, to but it was closer than that until the very end of the game. So Brett Ripien got the start, completed 61.3% of his passes, 242 yards and two touchdowns, but he threw three interceptions, including a pick six. So the question is, does Ripien live to start another day? Oh, yeah. I think this is a pretty easy one for him. I mean, I all of those... T- interceptions came in the second half and it was really just like from the 10 minute point on that he just I I think all the hits finally started getting to him and was getting in his head but again you know I thought he looked good I I think he was really saved by Judy on one and Tim Patrick like really was there for him helped to bail them out and then I mean I just don't understand what his fascination with Tim Patrick was and that was just mind-blowing to me since judy's just such a better talent it's frustrating the thing with tim patrick is you have to remember tim patrick has been on the second third team offense all of camp i guess he was mixing in with the ones a little bit but he was getting a lot of rep- reps with ripon and same as last year they were both backups they're both practice squad kind of guys so it makes sense that they do have that built-in connection it's going to take a little bit longer for judy so jason not ready to say r.i.p to ripon interesting and i'm sure tim patrick isn't either patrick did catch six of his seven targets 113 yards and a score so he was definitely the most impressive player on the broncos offense so who else stood out to you on the day though well i mean it's pretty clearly melvin gordon i mean he just had himself a day granted i expected that because he has the backfield to himself but went over 100 yards had two touchdowns and also got two of three targets for 11 yards one of those runs Towards the end of the game was a super impressive form to got him into the end zone and really helped seal that game for the Broncos. But I mean, and then even Judy, he granted only had two receptions on four targets and a touchdown, but one of those was a long play for 48 yards. So I, it was just super impressive. And I think both of those players really did well. I'm kind of upset with Fant just because he had some issues, but you can't really be upset with Fant. He had an ankle injury. What you're you're upset with him for getting hurt, Jason? That's rude of you. So rude. But you're correct. Jerry Judy absolutely bailed out Rippin on that on his touchdown. Everyone was saying how he mossed him. That was an underthrow by Rippin. That should have been picked, but great for Judy. Uh, anyways, yeah, Fant left the game with an ankle injury. It is considered to be relatively minor, and he now has 10 days to rest up, so that's perfect for him. KJ Hamler also left the game with a hamstring injury, and that's been bothering him for months now. Initially, it happened at the Combine back in February, bothered him all through camp, so this is one to watch for KJ Hamler. On the other side, though, the Jets' lackluster day, period. Darnold completed just 54.8% of his passes, 230 yards, no scores but no picks. Actually had a decent fantasy day, though. He had 84 yards and a rushing touchdown on the ground. So, yeah, what it, shocking how great he was at running the ball. But ever-reliable Jameson Crowder, good day, 7 of 10 targets, 104 yards. And then Boston College receiver that no one has ever heard of, Jeff Smith, caught 7 balls for 81 yards. And that's kind of it on the day. Chris Herndon, who was everyone's favorite preseason darling, won for 11 and had a drop 
on three targets. You can basically just drop him now now that he's dropping the ball. And Braxton Berrios caught zero of three targets. So just a brutal day in fantasy in general. And then afterwards, it was revealed that Sam Darnold played through a sprained shoulder. Took a big hit in the first half, left the field, went into the locker room, came back. And this is just so Adam Gase. He has a history of mishandling these shoulder injuries. Uh, last season, he fined offensive guard Coleccio Semle for having season-ending shoulder surgery because Gase didn't think he needed it, which is ridiculous enough. It's his health. And then this week, the offensive tackle, Makai Becton, was deemed not healthy enough to start because of the shoulder injury. But then a handful of plays into the game, he gets put in anyways, and he's in pain the whole time. And eventually, he has to pull himself, not the coaches, he has to pull himself because he's too hurt. And now we have this with Darnold. So this is just getting ridiculous with Adam Gase. I have two... Two questions. The first one, though, how many more weeks do we have to suffer through Adam Gates? I mean, right now, it really does look like they are wanting to tank for Trevor. I mean, I know it's horrible to say, but I think that at this point, you kind of just let Gates lose some more games. So I would say probably three weeks. And another impressive thing is Jeff Smith came up from the practice squad earlier in the week to start this game, and it was just mind-blowing that he got worked in so quickly. Okay, so fair enough. I I hope you're correct. I hope it is under three weeks. Uh, he really should be gone already, as should Greg Williams, because they are both terrible. But on your other point, after the Jets draft Trevor Lawrence next year, where is Sam Darnold going to be traded? I honestly don't think anybody will want him. I mean, he did look really good at points. And again, I, I know, he looked good at points, but... Everybody seems set, except for, I mean, people who are probably going to end up drafting towards the top anyway because of their quarterback situation. I, it's it's tough for you to say that any, anyone is really going to want him. I mean, look at it, the whole he's, landscape he's a, now. He's a, tw- he's a 23-year-old who started for three years in the league, and he was a f- number three overall pick. No one's going to want him. Drew Brees is going to retire. Ben Roethlisberger's on his last legs. There's so much many options. What are you talking about? The Bears could take him because he's better than Nick Foles. Yeah, but what they are have you Trubisky there. About? I mean, all these players that you're doing. What do you mean they have Trubisky there? He's gone next year. They didn't pick him up, and they're not re-signing him after this. There is hope for Sam Darnold. He is 23 years old. Do not give up on him yet, Jason. There's still hope in that young man. Do not crush him. Hey, remember Ryan Tannehill. Remember Ryan Tannehill. That's what we're hoping for from Sam Darnold. Yeah, yeah. The hope is is that he's going to end up leading his team in rushing again if Gase remains a head coach. That's just how it's going to be. He's going to pull Ryan Fitzpatrick from last year. Oh, God. Poor guy. I feel so bad for him. And none of this is his fault. Anyways, moving on. uh, Broncos coach Vic Fangio says that there is a chance Drew Locke returns week five against the Patriots. I don't know why they would do that to him. Back to Sam Darnold real quick. Did you not see what happened when Darnold missed time, returned against New England in his second game back last year? You want to put Drew Lockett back in against New England in his first game back? No, 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 no. You got to start ripping or the boat. And wouldn't it be fun to just see Blake Bortles get another shot at New England post-2018 AFC Championship? I would love to see that, and I think we all deserve a little bit more Blake Bortles. Don't you, Jason? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's just one of those things. It's Gase coaching. It's always shocking when you have him going. So, But, I mean, I think Fangio is one of those people that I – they're too similar. He's too old. I feel like you really need to move on from him. I agree. am I wrong there? I mean, nope, nope. These, yeah, there, there's a lot of turnover that's going to happen in the NFL, and hopefully, this is another one of them. But in the meantime, there is optimism with the Broncos because they do have some young and talented playmakers like Drew Locke who could return in the nearest future. And then there's a whole lot of garbage with the New York Jets. So it's time to take out the trash there. And it's time to take a break because as much fun as I had watching that game, it was actually kind of painful to talk about. So how about we all just enjoy the soothing sounds of the voice of at nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham. And we are back. Thank you for that, Steve. And we are into the news. So we're going to start things out with just news around the league. Ron Rivera was absent from the Washington football team on Wednesday and Thursday. Rivera is currently undergoing treatment for squamous cell carcinoma, which is a form of skin cancer. And our thoughts are with Coach Rivera, his family, his friends, his loved ones, and all those that he works with in Washington. Uh, Defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio is the interim head coach and will serve as head coach if Rivera is unable to return. 
what, but our thoughts were with Rivera, and we hope that he is able to return for the Week 4 matchup with the Ravens. Moving on from that, though, we do have the Steelers versus Titans, which was postponed. Seven Titans players have now tested positive for COVID-19. Adam Humphreys was added to the COVID IR, which means even once the Titans return, he is going to be out for three weeks at least, if not longer. So that's something to think about with your roster roster space. And we'll be thinking about all of those who are impacted by this outbreak, and we do wish everyone a speedy recovery. And it feels weird to transition from somber topics like the, these two, but it is our duty to bring you the news. So from a football sense, as both teams will be on by for week four, the Ravens-Steelers game, which was originally scheduled for week seven, pushed to week eight. Ravens will be on by for week seven, and the Pittsburgh-Tennessee game will take place in week seven. So with that, the buys have now started early, which means we have to reach even deeper into the player pool. Uh, the good news with on this, however, Deontay Johnson gets an extra week to heal from the concussion and foot. Uh, he, uh, Juju gets time to heal from the knee injury. And A.J. Brown is actually expected to finally make his return in week five against the Bills. So that's an extra week of fantasy production out of A.J. Brown, which likely wouldn't have happened if he had if the team had played in week four. So it's not all bad. And with that in mind, we move on to the quarterback news and Jimmy Garoppolo still not practicing with that high ankle sprain, which leads to Nick Mullins starting for another week. And as we've discussed, Nick Mullins might be pretty good. Yeah. And he also has weapons returning this week. So that could make it even more interesting. Yeah. The, the 49ers are starting to look good, but we'll get to that in a little bit, a little foreshadowing for you. Yeah. Ethan's we all too much. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not so much there, but <laughs> we all know by now, but Big Richard Nick Foles is a starter in Chicago. Is he good? No, we've talked about that already, but is he good enough to get Allen Robinson the ball? Yes, he absolutely is, and this is the best thing that could have happened to Chicago. Yeah, and I mean, even more importantly, he is capable of handing that ball off to David Montgomery and getting the ball to Jimmy Graham and Anthony Miller this week because I really do think the Colts try and take away Alan Robinson. That's not more. That's not more important. That's not more. Of course, they're going to try and take away Alan Robinson, but they're not going to be able to because Alan Robinson is elite. Yeah, check out uh, how well Adam Thielen did that. I'm, I'm just saying, a, there is a massive talent differential between Adam <laughs> Thielen and Alan Robinson. Don't don't put that on me. No, uh, move. Moving on from that, wow, Tua Tagovailoa missed Thursday's practice with an illness. However, this is not COVID nineteen related, and he should be able to play this weekend. Yeah, not that it matters because Ryan Fitzpatrick is still balling. Yeah, he has absolutely proved that he does deserve to hold on to the shot for a little while longer. And finally, wrapping up the quarterback news, Tyrod Taylor remains sidelined with his rib injury, and he will be out another week at least. Yep, so here we go. Herbert again. I hope it doesn't come down to another hook and ladder play because, man, that was heartbreaking at the end. Oh, that was so bad. Keenan Allen just whiffed on that. You yeah, hate not, to see that. Not that a was fan. A <laughs> Not a fan. And in running back news, I don't know if you'll be a fan of this. Le'Veon Bell is targeting a week five return. So he has 10 more days until his next game. Was placed on that short-term IR with a hamstring injury. Keep in mind, though, the Jets claimed Ty Johnson off of waivers from the Lions. Johnson was a six-round pick last year out of Maryland. And he's a pretty strong athlete. Runs a 4-4-5 at 5'11", 210 pounds. Hasn't done much in the NFL, but he's better than Kalen Balage. So interesting. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Kalen Balazs actually looked decent last night. I hate to well, say he it. Didn't. He didn't. He had a one-handed catch that looked good. That's like it. I said, it. It was impressive for him. That's a good showing. And Vividness I, bias does not mean he had a good night. He was bad still. <laughs> he had one reception. You're just remembering that. I know, but it looked good. I, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, he's hoping that Gay stays while Bell's hoping he's gone. And if I were Bell, I'd want to get on another short-term IR for this reason. That hamstring is really hurting me. <laughs> oh, poor guy. <laughs> this is one to watch. But yeah, there, I don't know how much value there is in Bell going forward because uh, just this car wash that Gase insists on running. Anyways, we're going to move on. Miles Sanders is full go after being limited with a glute injury. Full send on him. He's been taken off the injury report. In other news, James White has rejoined the Patriots. He missed two games for personal reasons. And Damian Harris was removed from the injured reserve with a broken finger. So we might be looking at a five-man rotation in the backfield. However, it's not assured that Harris is going to return yet. It could be a four-man rotation. What do we do here? Yeah, I'm not really a fan. I Of them, I want to stash Damian Harris if possible, if you haven't been already holding him on, on your IR. But I took a look at what had happened in the past when White has kind of come back and with Burkhead there, it just makes it a huge mess. And 
white production goes down. So I'm not a huge fan of anybody. Again, I'm not touching this backfield with unless it's to stash Harris and hope that he emerges. Yeah, that's a very fair way to play this. And it, the thing with the Patriots is that you the the least expensive running back is always the one you want in fantasy because they always end up being the most exciting. And it's the same in the 49ers backfield where Jarek McKinnon is full go after the bruised ribs forced him to leave the game early last week. Raheem Moster remains out with the MCL sprain, however. Yeah, in fantasy life, somebody, RB100 ask if, I don't know if it's a he, he or she, but if this person should start McKinnon and drop Jeff Wilson Jr., to pick up Damian Harris. I kind of felt like this would work right here. So what are your kind of thoughts? Because I'm thinking PPR, I'd play McKinnon. But I'm also nervous about dropping Wilson because he could easily get hurt again. So so it, de- it depends on what your roster is looking like and what you're playing this week. I absolutely agree you play McKinnon this week. He McKinnon had a long touch or had a couple of long runs negated, including a touchdown run negated. So I think we were a couple plays of holding calls away from a big McKinnon day. And I think you're playing him. But if you need someone to start this week, as well, no, you're not playing both of these running backs. So no, you're, you're, yeah, drop Wilson, pick up Damian Harris because you're not playing both. In another situation where you just have Wilson or Harris, I'm probably keeping Wilson and playing him this week because both are viable this week. But because you already have McKinnon, there's no sense in having both. Pick up Harris instead. Yeah, definitely sounds like the plan to me. Perfect. Love that. I, I love when you agree with me. It makes me feel so smart. Or maybe maybe I should be worried when you agree with me. I don't know about that. Anyways, moving on from that, Duke Johnson has been cleared to play and will move into his role as the backup to David Johnson for the Houston Texans. Have a nice matchup this week against the Vikings, though. In the more questionable side of things, Chris Carson got in limited work Wednesday with his knee sprain. According to Pete Carroll, he did have an excellent week of practice, which is a great sign for his future production. But the Seahawks get the Dolphins this week and are calling him a game-time decision. Personally, I'm really hoping that they shut him down because it is the Dolphins. The Seahawks should be able to beat them no matter who's playing running back. I could probably play running back, and maybe not me, but a more athletic person could be at running back and they'd still get the win. So I hope they sit him. And to that point, Carlos Hyde also has a shoulder injury. He was limited all in practice for the entire week. So we could be looking at a committee with Hyde, or we could just be getting a heavy dosage of a man that I've been hyping in Dynasty since January, Travis Homer. So first of all, get out of here with DJ Dallas. He was a fourth round pick this year, but he literally backed up Travis Homer at Miami. And then after Homer left, DJ Dallas was a committee back. So get out of there with that. And did you notice who was the first running back in when Carson went or when Chris Carson went down? Because it wasn't Carlos Hyde. It was Travis Homer. So I'm not saying play Travis Homer this week, but I'm saying you should probably stash him on your bench. And if Carson misses this game and Hyde misses this game, Fireworks are ahead for the running back out of Miami, Travis Homer. Let's go. Yeah, and I actually like him as a PPR kind of an option because I do think he's a between the 20 guys, 20s guy while Hyde is more of a goal line guy or the one you really want that has the experience in that area. But moving on from that, we had another Fantasy Life question from Richardo. 048 asks, is Carson a legit RB? So... Yeah. Yeah, I agree, but at the same point, I'm nervous with the return of Penny. Like that that's where I get iffy on Carson, especially since his team has been quote unquote letting Russ cook. I, I, I do get the worry. However, we have seen Carson used a lot in the passing game as well. And Rashad Penny is returning from yet another injury. We don't know how good he's going to look, or even if he's going to return it at, at week six, which is the earliest he can come back. I haven't heard anything about him, so I, I'm not really factoring in Rashad Penny right now. Chris Carson has just looked so good. They're using him in the passing game as well. That kind of usage, even if Russ is cooking, if he's still on the field, he's going to produce as well just because this offense is so explosive. Yeah, and we've kind of been talking about it, dancing around it, I guess, but Rashado asked, do we still need handcuffs, for example, like Connor and Kamara? I mean, at this point, I'm making sure to grab all the handcuffs for my starters because everybody seems to be going down. And with all the injuries, I I just feel more comfortable having those players on my bench, especially 
of the Connor and Kamara to Murray because he has proven that he can be an RB1 behind him. So what is your thought on that? I'm not handcuffing Connor. Uh, Benny Snell at this point kind of uh, – he's not worth holding on to just in case Connor gets hurt. I don't like having Connor to begin with, so I'm never handcuffing that duo. I do like having Murray on my team. I am willing to drop him depending on what comes up on the waiver wire. But at this point, yeah, if uh, you're churning your roster all the time. You want high upside players. And if and Latavius Murray is the highest upside running back on your waiver wire, yeah, you – absolutely roll with him but if i can pick up some i can't even think of an example because latavius murray is really high upside maybe go for someone lower like alexander madison but just it's yeah i'm handcuffed i'm handcuffing it depends but it is worth it but stay away from the steelers backfield there's no sense in handcuffing that especially because of how good anthony mcfarland looked we're going to move on from that though because the situation in cleveland Kareem Hunt has a groin issue. It isn't expected to be serious, but he did miss Wednesday and Thursday, returned to Friday, got a limited session in. But according to Browns insider Mary Kay Kabat, it isn't believed to be serious, and he will look to play on Sunday. Well, I do think that he will probably play. I am nervous if it starts to flare up because at the same point, they promoted Dontrell Hilliard from the practice squad, but he was actually activated due to an injury on special teams. He is designated as a running back, so he could easily fill in if Hunt is out. Or, hear me out, if Hunt is out, Dick Chubb, three down back. <laughs> Let's go. I wish, but I'm just throwing it's that out happen. there as well. It's gonna, if, if, if Hunt misses, oh, I am drooling over the thought of Nick Chubb. Oh. Another confusing backfield, though, is the Buffalo Bills, especially because Zach Moss did return to practice on Wednesday, but was limited in all three practices this week, and he is questionable to go against the Raiders. Yeah, which I really hate because Singletary actually looked really good last week, and it's just so annoying because with Moss there, it just it ruins his value all over again. Oh, completely. And the thing about this backfield is if one of them had the job, we were always super excited about that. The problem is we didn't think either of them was going to get it, and we've been proven right to this point. And it just it it does hurt because Singletary looks so good in that bell cow role, but it's not going to happen if Moss comes back. And we're going to have to follow along on the injury report. And also we're going to f- follow along with Naheem Hines. Limited Wednesday with a shoulder injury. It does appear that he will be playing on Sunday. Some players that are out, though, Leonard Fournette didn't practice all week with an ankle injury. He's going to miss week four, which means we do have to sit through another week of Ronald Jones. Also, Cam Akers will miss another week with a rib injury, which means it's going to be Darrell Henderson against the Giants. And Bryce Love was put on injured reserve after experiencing some knee swelling. We do remember he's had multiple ACL surgeries. Moving on to the wide receivers, though, Odell was limited with a back injury on Thursday. Full go on Friday, and he's set to pop off against the Cowboys. Pretty excited for that matchup. It's going to be a shootout. Doug Marone has also said he's comfortable with DJ Chark playing this week against the Bengals after missing week three with a chest injury. Sort of a revenge game with offensive coordinator Jay Gruden and his former Bengals. I think they left on good terms. But regardless, Gruden gets his new AJ Green back in DJ Chark, and I'm really expecting a big rebound from Gardner Minshew. We also get to see, a, hopefully, see a rebound from Debo Samuel, who's been activated off the IR after that Jones fracture in his foot. Big news with Jimmy Garoppolo still out. Will Fuller was also added to the injury report with a hamstring, and then he was taken off of it. And apparently, he's full go with this weekend. Who knows what's going on with the Texans, Jason? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm assuming he's going to play, but they all have great matchups this weekend, and we'll get into that later. Very true. Finally, John Brown practiced the last two days and was removed from the injury report. He did have that nagging foot injury and the calf injury, which had him removed from week three, but he is set to be full go, so fire him up if you're firing if you've been firing up John Brown, I suppose. More questionable side of things. Julio Jones has a hamstring. Russell Gage has a concussion. Both practiced on Thursday, and then, shockingly, Calvin Ridley misses with an ankle and calf injury. All of them practice on Friday, and all should play on Sunday. But is this a little bit scary here, Jason? Yeah, and, I mean, I completely understand because this is... I mean, they're the ones getting all of the targets. I don't... Hayden Hurst has been pretty much non-existent, and... Granted, one catch, one pa- uh, one reception, and a touchdown last week. But he 
can be viable. Behind that, I mean, they need Julio back for sure because the team does not look right without him. And so I'm assuming they're all going to play. But Fancy Life also had another one come up. KJ Way asked, what is the outlook for Ridley rest of the season? Do we think he remains the wide receiver one on the team, or is this just a flash in the pan? No, I don't think he remains wide receiver one, though I do think he can remain average wide receiver one based on how much Matt Ryan has had to throw the ball. I do think it's still Julio Jones's job if and when he does come back. Do love Ridley rest of the way, however, and I don't think he's a flash in the pan, but I do think it is Julio Jones' job. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Ridley seems to be the guy that he's looking to in the red zone, so you can almost guarantee a touchdown just because they are always down there, it seems, because they have to score. Only way for them to win. DeAndre Hopkins did not participate Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday in practice with an ankle injury. GM Steve Kimes says he's going to make the decision, he as in Hopkins, on if he plays or not. Meanwhile, teammate Christian Kirk was limited Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with a groin injury that caused him to miss week three against the Lions. So both are true game time decisions, and you know what that means. It is Andy Isabella season. Sure. Or Dan Arnold. Let's go. No, it, no, Isabella. And Drake. Definitely. Drake. Not, I called it last week. Two touchdowns yeah. from Isabella. I did I thought he was going over a hundred. It was only ended up being around 45 yards. However, two touchdowns from Andy Isabella. Let's go. Fire this up. So again, KJ Way asked, what is the outlook for the rest of the season with Hopkins? I mean, do we think he's going to be a wide receiver one moving forward still or is yeah he, yeah yes yeah. he will be. i mean he's just being fed the target so it's kind of hard not to believe that he won't be a wide receiver one season <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, the the worry was that he and murray weren't going to get along right away and he wasn't going to get fed those targets right away but those are being put to bed we know what's happening so yeah he is a wide receiver one he's a top five guy the rest of the season as is Devonte adams who made his return to practice thursday and he did practice friday as well trending towards playing on Monday night against the Falcons. But bad news is the Lizard King, Alan Lazard, is out indefinitely with core muscle surgery. He's going to be headed to the IR. Chris Godwin is also expected to miss week four and potentially longer with a hamstring strain. And the same injury that ended his 2019 season, so that's never fun to see. Scotty Miller didn't participate in practice Wednesday, Thursday with a hip and groin. However, he did get full work on Friday. Now he's questionable. And Justin Watson returned and is now full go. So lots of moving parts in Tampa Bay. Mike Evans is really the only one we can trust there right now. Oh, no. This week, I actually really like Miller in fantasy. Just something to keep an eye on because he had a good matchup. So don't get too far away from that. If he if he plays though, and he's it's just I'm worried because he's questionable now. If he was fully healthy, I'd I'd be full in on Miller. It's just I'm a little bit hesitant now, and it could be a Watson game, and it could be a Tyler Johnson game. Who knows? Moving on from that though, Terry McLaurin was added to the injury report with a thigh issue. Got a limited session Thursday, and then he didn't practice Friday, and that's never a good sign when you start missing practices at the end of the week. I'm expecting him to miss the Ravens, which probably isn't a bad idea because the team's going to get blown out anyways. Teammate Steven Sims is also out with that nagging toe injury, officially declared out Friday. And Jarvis Landry also not fully healthy either, according to Alex Van Pelt following his surgery. Alex Van Pelt is, of course, the Browns offensive coordinator. Yeah, and I feel like this is a great point to put this in, but KJ Way asks, are we worried about Landry and fantasy? I mean... To me, it seems like OJ has been the guy who's been getting fed the targets here, and I'm starting to get a little nervous on Landry. Are are you nervous at all on him? I think you have to be at this point. It's a look, very low volume passing offense. They don't want to throw the ball. When yeah. they get to choose the game script, they're going to be running it constantly. And so I do think, however, that this week against the Cowboys, they are going to have to keep up with the Cowboys because Dak is going to sling it. He's going to roast the Browns. And so it might be a Baker week. It might be a Jarvis Landry week. But rest of the season, I don't think you can put Landry above a wide receiver three. And even then, that might be a little bit iffy. He has been very disappointing so far. Speaking of disappointing, though, holy heck. Eagles receivers not practicing this week. So we had Deshaun Jackson. He's officially out with a hamstring. We have Alshon Jeffrey, limited Wednesday, comes off the foot injury, but he didn't practice Thursday. Now he's out. Jalen Rager finally placed on IR with forever 
reason they waited. Probably doesn't matter. He's probably missing six weeks anyways, but weird move. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is also doubtful with a calf injury. John Hightower mispracticed Thursday. We weren't informed what that was. And Dallas Goddard is on the IR. So we've got Quez Watkins and Greg Ward as the only men left standing in Philly. Yikes. We also have LaVisca Chenault of the Jaguars limited Friday. We don't know why, but he is expected to play against the Bengals. Moving on to our out section, Michael Thomas practiced Wednesday, reportedly moved well. On Friday, though, it came out that he will not return this week. And it's not really a surprise because it's not cutting that's the issue with those high ankle sprains. He, he's going to look good there. It's the planting, it's the push-off, and it's the explosiveness. So Michael Thomas rushing back has me a little bit worried. I am glad he's going to miss this week. However, now he's missed three games and they should just put him on IR. But toughness, grit, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's frustrating. Like I said, he should have been on IR. Don't know why he wasn't on IR. Because he can be off for three weeks and just let him rest like the way it should be. Yeah, these, <sighs> these, coach, these coaches, man. These coaches. Uh, Henry Ruggs is expected to miss with a hamstring injury. And Brian Edwards is going to be out with an ankle injury. So Raiders are missing some key playmakers there. Yeah, but Renfro is yet again viable as a fantasy Holy. option. Yes, he is, Jason. You nailed that. Finally, Mike Williams is sidelined with a hamstring injury and will miss week four. I'm sorry, Jason. Going to move on to the tight ends now. George Kittle, full go, ready to, and I quote, let it loose. You love to hear that from George Kittle. Jordan Reed, on the other hand, is now on IR with a knee injury. But George Kittle, ho, 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 fire him up this week. Woo! Yeah, I've been waiting for that. I have him on most of my team, so it's just so frustrating. So having him back is. Yeah, if you were a George Kittle, if you were a George Kittle GM, it's been a really frustrating start. Probably cost you a couple matchups, but he is back, and we're looking ahead, better and brighter things in the future. Unfortunately, the same cannot be said about Dallas Goddard, who, as we mentioned, is on IR, which prompted them to sign Hakeem Butler, aka Hakeem Bustler, from the Panthers practice squad. And for those that don't remember, former Iowa State receiver ran a 4.48 at 6.5227, 97th percentile speed score on player profiler, but he only had that one year of production in college so despite some on the internet wanting to dub him the greatest receiver prospect ever cardinals took him with the first pick of the fourth round he was so bad in camp they had to cut him put him on ir with a finger injury now he's already being cut and asked to change positions however as knee wallace bruce always says we do love these former wide receivers turned tight end maybe his new teammate jj ortega whiteside is next maybe that's the one way we can save his career yeah doubtful <laughs> Yeah, it's bad. It's bad, man. Speaking of bad, Jared Cook is also out with a groin injury, which uh, you weren't in on him last week. Great job, Jason, on nailing that. Dawson Knox is back to practicing in full and is expected to play against the Raiders, which makes him ne neither him nor Tyler to TD Croft an option this week. And Packers rookie Josiah DeGuara also didn't practice all week and will miss with a ankle injury once again. Bob Tanyan stay intriguing. Finally, with some kicker news, Falcons signed Elliot Fry, and Young Wei Ku is expected to miss at least a week, if not more, with a groin strain. Uh, for those asking, don't waste a roster spot on an inactive kicker. Unless you have an IR slot and no one is in it, then just cut Ku. I'm sorry. I love him. He's a great fantasy kicker, but your roster spot can be put to so much better use. Especially so, with everything else. It's a kicker is a kicker to me, and trust me, most of the top five are actually available in your league, probably, if I had to guess more than likely so that's all we have for the news there's so much news so much information especially this time of the year and it's going to continue as we roll into the buys and we're looking for more people to start but hopefully this has cleared up some of your questions and you feel comfortable heading into week four and if you are then monkey knife fight is the perfect place to act on all of this information our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game that's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two or three player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. 
So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yep, I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. I always love listening to those two geniuses on that ad read. What a fantastic read, guys. Good job. Uh, What I love a lot less, though, is Jason taking over the show. But unfortunately, it is my sworn duty to do so. And with that, we find ourselves back in Jason's trust or bust. So we'll be starting with quarterback. Just a reminder that QBs in our trust are players that are outside the top 12, rostered in 50% of leagues, under 50% of leagues. And our busts are players that are ranked inside the top 12 on Fantasy Pro's expert consensus rankings that we believe will miss expectations. Jason... Take it away. Yeah, that was a lot more eloquent than I normally put it, so I'm glad you took over that part. That's too tough for me. But going into quarterbacks here, my first trust, I know it's going to probably bite me again, but it's Gardner Minshew. I mean, I know he messed up really bad last week. I think this week he comes back, and I'm hoping that it's with Shark because I really need him to be there to take off some of the pressure. But he's going up against the Bengals, who put up points. So... I also like Burrow in the same matchup. Granted, he's rostered more, so a lot tougher to find. But both defenses aren't great, and I think this has the makings of a shootout. Yeah, I I agree. You were right, Jason. And I thought I thought you were right last week. Thankfully, we didn't get it on the podcast because Thursday night football. I thought you were right. I thought Gardner was going to ball last week, but. It's going to happen this week. Revenge game for Jay Gruden, first of all, as we already mentioned. Gardner is now playing with a chip on his shoulder again because he was embarrassed by the beard. He has to prove that he still deserves to be in this league because he's got that UD or that six-round chip on his shoulder like Tom Brady does. And he's got a returning DJ Chark. So, yep, absolutely. Joe Burrow is the QB 11, so he unfortunately doesn't qualify. But I'm in on both this week. Let's go. This is a low-key shootout on our hands. Yeah, and... I mean, you brought him up, so going to go back with the beard here. Had a bad week one against the Patriots. Only had it put up five fantasy points, but it's the Patriots. Since then, he put up 24 and 25 fantasy points against the Bills and the Jags. This week, he's going up against a team that is giving up the most point to wide receivers in Seattle. Like, I feel very comfortable with this, so I'm not even going to kind of sweat this one. I think he's a really set-and-forget guy for this week. Yeah, I, I had both of these players set and forget last week, and I'm rolling back to it this week. You nailed your QBs this week, Jason. So once again, I am both surprised you're right and impressed you're not wrong. Seahawks are allowing over 80 passing yards a game more than any other defense. Fire up Fitzmagic, fire up Devontae Parker, fire up Preston Williams, and fire up Mike Gusecki, who I, I, I know I usually don't recommend him, but... Fire them all up. Seahawks are going to go out, get the early lead. Fitzmagic is going to come back slinging, forced to wheel and deal. I absolutely love this. This isn't a low-key shootout. This is a high-key shootout on our hands. 
Yeah, and going to something that I'm more worried about in our bust here is I'm going to say Tom Brady. I mean, worried about the depleted secondary of the Chargers and Brady not really having to throw. And even if he does throw, I mean, it seems like most of his wide receivers are hurt. So I could see him really leaning on the run here. Game should be likely lower scoring. And Anthony Lynn likes to try and control the clock and run the ball. So this could be a very, very long and slow game, which I absolutely hate for fantasy, but I'm hoping the Chargers could win this, but that's a tough defense that they're going up against. So we'll see. I could easily also see Brady putting up two touchdowns and then just running it with Ronald Jones. So, ugh. Yeah, so I don't, I'm I am taking Brady all the way in this matchup. I think he's going to look look fantastic. I think he's going to look way better than Herbert, and I think it's going to be a pretty easy win for the Bucks. I don't like it in fantasy at all, though. We've got no Godwin, possibly no Scotty Miller, no Leonard Fournette, and as you've said, the Chargers are always looking to grind out the games, run the ball, shorten the clock, because that ma- adds more variance to the game and allows for less scoring so i'll be starting mike evans because he's going to get peppered with targets but that's it on tampa bay this week as for the chargers yeah i'm probably i'm absolutely starting keenan allen you can't bench him and you got to roll with austin eckler as well but outside of those three not really an exciting week in this matchup yeah and i'm probably going to get flack on this one so uh <clears throat> the next bust i have is actually kyler murray i mean what <laughs> what what I know. I think it's a game that I think becomes a quick hit and run. I mean, I think that they score really fast. And then I think this is where finally you see Kenyon Drake come to life. I mean, he's been slow. Murray's been stealing his touchdowns. And I think similar to last week, Kyler Murray puts up 250 plus yards and two touchdowns. But I think it's really based on a run game that is going to be Kenyon Drake and a bounce back for him. I mean, he's just been so lifeless, and I'm hoping this is a game that you see Drake take over. I do agree with you on Kenyon Drake, but yeah, I can't in good conscience tell the listeners to, of this podcast to sit Kyler Murray. Absolutely not. He's too electric on the ground, so even in games where they get the lead early, he's still going to be a factor because he's involved in that run game. means he's a factor in fantasy. I do believe this is a get-right game for Kenyon Drake, but the Panthers have allowed the most rushing touchdowns in the NFL with seven, and Kyler's probably going to vulture at least one, if not two, rushing touchdowns from Kenyon Drake on the goal line. So, yeah, you got to play Kyler Murray against this terrible, terrible defense, sir. Ah, okay, we'll move on. We'll move on to running back because I disagree very vehemently on that. So just a reminder for running back, our trusts are players that are outside the top 24. So that's an RB3 or lower. And that's who we're starting. And our bus are players that are inside the top 24 and we don't think belong there. Yeah, so you're going to love my first one because uh, I think it's Ronald Jones for my oh, trust. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> He's getting all the work. I think Jones has a great day against a hurt run defense with the loss of Ingram. I'm I mean, and a team that gave it up to Mike Davis last week. I mean, Jones has a skill set to be similar to Davis, and I think he has more talent than Davis. I, I know it's rude, but Davis is just such a wash player in my mind that I think Jones has that ability. I think he makes a good jump this week from fantasy. Right now, he's RB34, so I could see him easily getting up there. Uh, I think this is probably going to be his best week. He had a decent week against the Saints. Week one, he put up 17 carries, 66 yards, two receptions for 16 yards, and a TD. So, I mean, if he's putting up consistent numbers like that, I feel pretty confident playing him. And again, you know, even against the Panthers, he only carried the ball seven times for 23 yards, but he still scored a touchdown. He caught two balls for four yards, not super. I would like to see him more involved in the passing game, and I think this week, with Fournette being out, I think he really gets that chance. So definitely think he gets more carries. Stop. Hoping he gets more receptions. Stop going back to Ronald Jones. Can we please just stop talking about Ronald Jones? So no. Mike Davis was fine against the Chargers, but it's only because he caught the ball eight times and scored on one of those receptions. It's still just 5.6 yards per reception, and on the ground he averages 3.5 yards a carry. So I, I disagree here. The Chargers are still tough on running backs, 
unfortunately, I do think you're right. Ronald Jones is going to get the opportunity. He's going to have the chance for production, but I just think this raw charger charges defense is still tough on running backs. And I don't think Tom Brady's going to target Ronald Jones nine times, which is what Mike Davis needed to be productive here. He's not going to do that. Ronald Jones is not a trust, although I can't say he's a bust. I was about to say, you, you, you just said though, I mean, who else is Brady going to throw to besides Evans? They, they've been throwing a shady McCoy, so... Yeah, but just, Jones can do that instead. No. Dual threat. Can't, can't do it. Can't do it. Move on. I can't do it. Can't. No. Nope. Fine. Move on. Move on. Speaking of LA, we'll go to Daryl Henderson here. I mean, has a great last week. I'm, with Malcolm Brown being eliminated and Akers being out, I'm hoping. We'll hope he stays out. I know it's horrible, but... Akers is out yeah, this perfect. week. So, gets a good matchup in the Giants past two weeks he has averaged 6.8 yards per carry 12 for 81 yards and a touchdown adding two receptions for 40 yards great numbers last week against the bills put up 20 carries for 114 yards 5.7 yards per carry and one touchdown adding only one reception for six yards which i think is kind of weird but i think this continues and i mean currently he's the rb20 so kind of impressive stat there for now you're speaking my language. You started out real rough in the running back section, but yes, absolutely. Last week, as we've already talked about, Jarek McKinnon had two, those two long plays wiped out off, off the board by penalties, including a touchdown. But both McKinnon and Jeff Wilson were viable in fantasy last week. Week before, David Montgomery topped 100 total yards. And the week before that, Benny Snell did it, which we now know is how bad the Giants is because it's clearly not how good Ben Snell is. So yeah, we're all in on the college football's all-time leader in yards per carry. Remember, back-to-back seasons, 8.9 yards per carry by Darrell Henderson and kept Tony Pollard and Antonio Gibson as slot receivers. That's how good he was in college. Darrell Henderson all day long. Yeah, and so we'll move into the more depressing part in the bust. And this is one that I just has been hurting me and it's Todd Gurley. I mean, currently the running back 27 in fantasy, he faces a tough run defense in the Packers. Granted, you know, put up 14 carries, 56 yards and touchdown against Seattle. Then he put a, did 21 carries for 61 yards against Dallas and Chicago. He put up 14 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown. I mean, those aren't great numbers and grand granted green Bay has struggled, but, he, they've also had gone against Kamara, who is probably, well, it's been proven, top four wide receiver right now, which huge help to him. Cook being fed the ball and saved by two touchdowns. And AP, who is probably the closest is comparable for Todd Gurley, who went, had, <laughs> I know it's horrible, seven carries for oh, 41 it yards. It's, it's, it's terrible, but it's true. Oh, I feel so bad. But yeah, the the... I, I agree with you because the Falcons can't stop the Packers. Matt Ryan is going to need to throw for at least 400 yards if they're going to keep up, which means Todd Gurley's not going to have more than 13 carries, and that might be pushing it even there. And he's just not an involved enough in the passing game. So he's either giving us a, like a five when he rushes for 45, 55 yards, or if he scores, he's getting us an 11. So that, that's, that doesn't do it for me. I'm passing there. I think you're right, Jason. Yeah, and the next one... I hate to say it, but it's going to be Devin Singletary because I think that Moss comes back, and with Moss, he's currently the RB26 in fantasy. I mean, he's done well overall, putting up great numbers, 9 for 30 in yards, 5 receptions for 23 yards against the Jets, who just got owned by Melvin Gordon. I mean, went against the Dolphins, put up 10 carries for 56 yards, 2 receptions for 20 yards, great numbers there. Finally, went against the Rams and went 13 carries for 71 yards, four receptions for 50 yards. That was with Moss out, and I'm just so nervous that he's going to come back and the workload goes down for him. I hate it because both of these players are super talented, but again, I'm nervous to put him out as a bust, but if Moss is there, his good day is totally ruined. So, I mean, and at the same point, Raiders have given up a lot to running backs, including Christian McCaffrey week one, Kamara week two, and then... Sony Michelle and Rice Burkhead last week, which wow, but yeah, that, that, 
the Raiders are terrible, which is why this is so frustrating, because it all depends on Zach Moss. Moss plays, I'm fully comfortable calling him a bust, but if Moss doesn't play, Singletary's an RB1, and it's locked in because the Raiders' defense is so terrible, which is just so frustrating. Like, I, yeah, you can't trust either of them, but you want to because you want to take advantage of the Raiders. It's just, it's sad. It's really sad. Josh Allen going to ball, though. Uh, we're going to move past that, though, onto wide receivers. Just a reminder that our trusts are players that are outside the top 24, so a wide, re wide receiver three or lower that we're starting, and our busts are players that are inside the 24 that we think are going to miss those expectations. Yeah, and I'm starting off with a pretty deep one here, but we kind of touched on it earlier, and Greg Ward. Literally no one else except for Quez, and even then I'm iffy. I mean, no Goddard there, no Rager, Jeffrey still being iffy. Ugh. I mean, as this continues, he switched targets with only Sanders, Scott, and Ertz. Like, wow. He's the only true wide receiver on the team and has shown up. I mean, Thursday, he was the only one to practice on the 53-man roster. Like, that just blows my mind. Oh, it's so terrible. Like the only, the only reason that's true is because Quez Watkins is on the practice squad, and so he, they're now up to two receivers that are healthy. Oh my, terrible, absolutely terrible. Still no Richard Sherman. 49ers D are hurting, and yeah, fire up the last man standing because why not? Yeah, and I mean the next one I think is also pretty slam dunk. And Brandon Cooks with Fuller dealing with a hamstring issue. I mean. Even if he does go, I think Fuller gets action, but I think Cooks also has a great matchup. I mean, even Cobb has a great matchup. I love both of these players, but Cooks gets Holton Hill and Cobb gets Jeff Gladney. I mean, both of these players are faster and taller than they're, who they're going up against. I mean, great matchups, beat on speed, and the secondary continues to get picked on because it's the Vikings. So... Yeah, the quietest in five for 95-yard game ever against the Ravens because they were getting blown out. But he's ran over 90% of the routes since week week one. He looks like he's back from that quad injury, and it looks like he's finally going to have a breakout for the Texans. I'm in on this one. Yeah, and again, it's I kind of a last man standing here, I guess, but Hunter Renfro, with Ruggs and Edwards being out, Renfro has been being moved around the offense. I mean, Agler... Oh, Aguilar and Jones. Wow, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's painful. That's painful. That's why it's so weird. Yeah, his name is horrible. I mean, he's. I, I don't understand how he still has a job, but when Renfro lines up in the slot, he will get Teron Johnson, and I think that he will be also able to stay away from Tredavion White. Likely. Yeah, absolutely. They move him around all over the place. Yeah. Trey White oh. is going to... Yeah, Teron Johnson, keep in mind, is the guy that Cooper Cup roasted last week, and I told you so, Jason. So, yep, absolutely, we are in. I thought it'd be Higby, okay? It's completely fine. But... Yeah, well, you were wrong. No, it's not fine. You were wrong, and I was right. Moving on to bust. All right, T.Y. Hilton, <laughs> because, man, he just does not seem to have a rapport with Rivers. He gets the toughest matchup with Kyle Fuller. He also has an issue of potentially not even needing to be used because the Colts' D have been so solid. And they are able to run the ball. I mean, Taylor easily showed up. And even then, Wilkins is another great backup option. So, Yeah, and the Bears' secondary has proved to be pretty stingy. It's not just Kyle Fuller, who you mentioned. It's also the rookie Jalen Johnson. They shut down Marvin Jones, the two of them. And Phillip Rivers just can't throw deep anymore. So, yeah, we can't trust T.Y. Hilton until we start getting him manufactured touches and screens and slants. Yeah, and I'm this one's not a great one either, but it's Robbie Anderson. I mean, he'll likely get Dre Kirkpatrick, the easiest matchup. And I think this is finally where DJ Moore shows that he's a wide receiver one and it yes. finds the end zone. I'm hoping he finds yes. the end zone. And that yes. hurts Anderson because it becomes a running game and I think Davis gets to work. Okay, so I'm, I'm with you with DJ Moore, not with you with Robbie Anderson. Start all your Panthers receivers, except for maybe not Curtis Samuel, but even then, may, maybe him as well. It's going to be a shootout. The Panthers can't stop Kyler Murray at all. So Teddy's going to have to throw it. Moore and Robbie are full sends, even with Patrick Peterson moving between the two of them. Yeah, and so we'll move into tight ends, and I'm going to trust Robert Tanyan. I mean, I know it's stupid because, you know, not a whole lot of targets. It's not stupid. Don't, no, 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 don't say it's stupid. But 
I think the short, short area targets will go to Jones and Williams, but at the same point, past two weeks, he's found the end zone. The only other wide receiver right now that we know is playing is MVS, and week two, he put up two for 25 yards on touchdown. Last week, he put up five for 50 in a touchdown. Pretty decent numbers, and with Lazard out, I mean, I guess you have to roll him out, right? Absolutely. Bobby Tanyan, let's ride. I'm in. Rogers has been too good. And while I do expect Devontae Adams to be back, fed 17 targets, Tanyan's still the wide receiver, or not wide receiver three, but he's number three option behind Adams and Aaron Jones. Yeah, let's roll with Bobby Tanyan. Yeah, and then Jimmy Graham. I mean, with no. Foles, yes, with Foles in, Graham got fed targets at the end of the game. <clears throat> and this week, I think, sorry about that. He. Tries to the Colts will try and take away Allen Robinson and probably try and stuff David Montgomery. So that leaves Anthony Miller and Jimmy Graham to do the work in the short area and the red zone. So I think Graham finds the end zone, and that's pretty much all you need to be a decent. Well, tight end. Of course, of course, they're going to try and shut down Allen Robinson. He's one of the best receivers in the league. It'd be egregious if they didn't try to. But we can't, in good conscience, tell the people to play Jimmy Graham. They were playing the Falcons last week. They're awful on defense. Now he's got the Colts. They've been shockingly good. And now he's going to be a man up with Darius Leonard. That's a non-contest. Get out of here with Jimmy Graham. No, no, no. Fine. I'll go with my fallback every week. I don't know how he's still here, but Logan Thomas. I can't quit this kid. He's just too much opportunity. And with McLaurin being out Friday, like that makes me nervous. So I think Thomas is able to find the end zone. And I mean, shockingly, I'm kind of high on Inman this week. So I think he'll end up drawing coverage and leave Thomas open. So kind of interesting to see. I wouldn't be surprised if Alex Smith actually comes in and makes Thomas even more viable. So pretty excited for that. I'm hoping. Well, he's going to get the targets for sure. He's third in the NFL in targets among tight ends behind only Waller and Kelsey, which is amazing. Just Haskins can't hit him, which is a problem that I'm going to, we are both going to keep mentioning because he is really talented and getting a lot of targets. But the Ravens have proven they can be beaten. I'm not fully comfortable trusting him because Haskins is so bad, but he's going to break out eventually. It's going to happen eventually. So, yeah, we have to keep hyping it until it does. Yeah, and so go moving into bust, it's Hayden Hurst. I mean, if everybody is healthy, he is not an option that's even kind of viable. I mean, Ridley practicing, Gage practicing, has me nervous, and they're both looks before he is in the red zone. Granted, he had one good game, and then he seemed to disappear. So, I mean, clearly last week, one reception, one target, one touchdown. Like, not ideal situation for him, and Ryan looks other places first. Well, yeah, he was a bust in the preseason. I told you that. You were wrong about that. I was right about that. And he's a bust now, which you are now right about. I agree. Yeah, and uh, another one who I nailed last week, thankfully. But Darren Waller, I think the game plan is going to be, again, try and take him away, make Carr beat them elsewhere, which is going to be tough because all that leaves is Renfro and Jacobs. And at the same point, when they try and take away Waller, that keeps him close to the line of scrimmage and helps them be more difficult to run against so that hurts Jacobs so with Renfro being moved around I think that they could potentially stop Waller here oh see I, I think you have to play Waller based on volume alone because they are missing Brian Edwards and probably Henry Ruggs so it, it's not gonna matter if he's doubled he's still gonna be fed those targets anyways because they Carr doesn't have a choice like he's not he shouldn't be thrown to Zay Jones and Nelson Aguilar so yeah, I, I can't co-sign this. You were right last week. The Patriots are known for that. However, I don't see lightning striking twice on Darren Waller. Yeah, and I could be wrong. But again, I'm going to bring it up because I think there are a few names to keep an eye on. In Dontrell Inman, Zach Pascal, David Moore, and Cordell Patterson. I really like their names. I think it's a great options for everybody and just somebody to kind of keep an eye on. Sneaky stashes from Jason Draven. And that is going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. And as always, it has been an absolute delight. If it's been as delightful for you as it has been for me, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review. And if you didn't like it that much, then you should probably hit up Jason. He's going to be the one to handle all of our complaints. So if you have anything wrong to say about the show, hit up at that FF nerd. With that in mind, Jason, do you have any parting words for all your adoring fans? Nah, man, I'm just ready to watch some football. 
<laughs> the classic Jason sign up. Absolutely love it. Once again, I've survived a podcast with you, which is always such a great feeling. It's a struggle sometimes, but it is absolutely enjoyable as always. Make sure you don't forget to check out all of the work that Jason and the rest of the Important Nonsensers have been putting up over on importantnonsense.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and the Fantasy Life app at NonsenseFF. I have been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and I hope you are fired up for another great weekend of the best sport in the world. Stay safe, mask up, wash your hands, enjoy some week four football, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!